Okay, you guys can't judge me, but we surpassed lunchtime in recording, and I just broke out my breakfast that I forgot to bring with me, a green smoothie, and my lunch, vegan sushi. Oh my god, yum. (laughs) It's an interesting combo, but don't judge. (laughs) I was going to say that is an interesting combo, but I love it. It's really good. I'm not going to lie. I'm jealous. I was honestly about to heat up my soup. I was thinking about it, but I was like, you know what? But had I known this was going to be a lunch party over recording, I would have done so. Can you imagine if we just, oh, you know what? People would probably be into that. Like, I think that's one of those ASMR things that we just had a podcast where all we did was like eat our food and talk to each other. No. Oh my God. <gasps> guys, this is a good avenue. I don't, I've never seen anything like it. Wait, guys, I've been thinking of upping our podcast like set up and we're gonna have to convince Lindsay to move home which we've been trying to do forever anyways but what if we recorded like almost like an Oprah show like what if our podcast was an Oprah show and we had like a whole backdrop and a scene and a stage for us and maybe like eventually a live audience I'm just saying Oh my god. Would gosh. you guys come and be our live audience? Would you guys come be our live audience? I love that. Right now we could sit on the green couch and we could open up the door and we could everyone who stopped at that light out in front, we could be like, you get a free course or something, you know? <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Well, I think it would be really cool and it would be really be really fun, especially for guests, like obviously not right now with COVID, but I think it'd be really cool once things get a little bit more back to normal to be able to have like guests in person to record and almost do it like the Lady Yang has their podcast and that's what they did. They did like a a live recording tour for their podcast. Like, do you guys want to go on tour? Um, yes. <laughs> do we right? have the demand for that? <laughs> yes, we do. We're selling out. Lindsay, you have to affirm yourself and believe it's possible for it to come. Which is literally what Jacqueline talked about in this episode. It was so good. I think that she would be a fan of us becoming a live tour podcast. Oh, 100%. She would hype us up for it. 100%. Love it. Well, let's get into the podcast because she delivered so much content. It was so good. Yes, get ready to be inspired. Here is Jacqueline. Woo! And these are my uh, chopsticks. (laughs) (laughs) ASMR for you guys. Welcome, everyone, to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura DeFrancesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a wonderful resource for all kinds of amazing people, epic entrepreneurs, and soulful companies digitally through our courses, our podcast, and also through our co-working space in Westchester. I'm here with our co-hosts, Lindsay and Casey. Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I'm Casey, the community manager of Flourish. And we're so excited. Today, we're going to be talking with Jacqueline DiGregorio. She's an author, a speaker, and a life coach. And we just had the privilege of meeting at Flourish um, through Flourish. So Jacqueline, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to Flourish for bringing us together. I had an amazing shoot there. Um, So I highly recommend their photo shoots to anyone. Um, But as Laura said, I'm a speaker, author, and life coach. My passion is to help more people create lives intentionally that they love and stop settling for anything less than amazing. And really to go a little bit deeper into that, I believe that our thoughts are literally everything because our thoughts create our words, our words create our actions, and our actions create our circumstances. So whenever people feel stuck, I really like to start with um, their thoughts. So the mission that I'm on in the world is really to help people change their circumstances by starting with their thoughts about their life today because it really can be that simple and magic can start to happen. So that's me. I love it. And I love your introduction too because you can tell that you're a speaker because you're able to so succinctly introduce you and sort of give a frame around the world that you have. Thank you. That's a great compliment. I'm honored. Yeah. And how did you get involved? Like, how did you start your business years ago and how has it evolved since then? Yeah. So it's actually pretty cool um, because it's evolved so much. I actually started my business uh, four and a half years ago. I knew Casey. We were doing a corporate internship together, um, but we didn't make the connection until we just saw each other again when I came to Flourish. Um, So I was in this internship for marketing, and I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life. I was um, a junior in college going into my senior year, and I soon realized that it just wasn't it. I was like, there has to be more out there for me. This just doesn't feel like it's the thing. And so I kind of had this whisper to say, you should start a business. But I had no real business knowledge other than like what I saw on Shark Tank. And while I was in like business school, the business that I was taught was very much like corporate business and like financial principles or management principles, but not like startup, which is totally different. So because all I knew was literally Shark Tank, I was like, okay, well, I'll have to create a product because that's what businesses have. They sell products. So I would write in this journal every day, these product ideas I had, and they were all crappy. And I decided that when I moved back into college, I was going to just pick one idea that day and I was going to start my business that day. So I think I woke up like the day after I had like moved my stuff back in and I just picked an idea and it was a kind of a dumb idea to make these plates that encouraged healthier eating. And I was like, I'm just going to start this business. So I like formed the business and I started, I don't know, looking up manufacturers and how I can make these plates I wanted to make. And I just kind of hit the ground running and the idea itself turned into nothing. It was an epic failure, Um, but it got me going on this journey of entrepreneurship and it taught me so many valuable lessons. And I really see my failures as either a lesson or a redirection and a lot of them had both in it. But in the beginning, trying to figure out like how to get to where I want to be, especially because I had no idea where I wanted to be. All I knew is I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to be financially successful and I wanted to be happy. And um, that was really vague. And so the way I figured it out was simply by trying and focusing on what's the next step. This didn't work. What's next for me? So I did that. And the next thing for me was an app I wanted to build. I thought, well, okay, these plates didn't work, but what if I could help people be healthier in a different way, in a more modern way? And this passion for health was really inspired by an eating disorder I had overcome in college. I really wanted to encourage like holistic health and balance and just overall wellness. Um, And 
while I was really passionate about it, I was not very good as a tech CEO. So trying to manage developers when I didn't know how to read code didn't go too well. I was able to raise some money on Kickstarter from family and friends, but the app we built did not work. It was crashing. It had so many problems when we beta tested it. I then tried to build it with two other sets of developers and it still didn't work. So at this time, I am two and a half years into my business. I'm a year and a half graduated college, living at home with my parents. And I have now operated a business for three calendar years. And all of them, the tax return has been um, like negative profit, right? Like a loss. So I'm like, what the heck am I doing with my life? Is this ever going to work? You know, real deep questioning of my identity. And it's really cool because I recently gave a TEDx talk. And um, when I was writing my talk, I, I really wanted it to be heartfelt and take people back to the way I felt when I was most struggling because the talk's about courage and how to build courage. And I I felt like I must have somewhere inside of me had courage because even on those moments where I really wanted to quit, I somehow kept going. And so what I did was I actually went back in my old journals and I read the journal entries that I had written like years ago. And I found one um, from just around that time when, you know, nothing had worked. The plates hadn't worked. The app hadn't worked. I wanted to give up. And I said something in there where I said, I, you know, it was all negative. Like 95% of it was like, I hate this. There's no instant gratification. I'm never going to be successful. You know, why am I doing this? Should I just get a job? But then there was one sentence in there that said something like, I don't want to give up on myself because I know I can do this. And that's where I really think my my courage was born. It was that that small, 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 small part of me that believed I could do it and that believed that there was something there. And that's the part of me that allowed me to pick myself back up, even though it really sucked. It hurt. I was so beat down. And in that moment when I when I felt so low, I asked myself, what am I good at? And this was the best question I could have asked myself. And I always recommend it for people, especially people who are struggling to figure out their purpose, who feel like they failed already, they're feeling beat down, because it allows you to lean into your own unique gifts and talents that you already have inside of you. And we we all were born with them. And we just have to activate them. They're, they've always been there, but oftentimes we ignore them because we're told that we should do this or we should do that or our lives should look a certain way. And so I had no idea that there was even a career in like motivational speaking. I'd never heard of a life coach. So, you know, how would I even know these things if I didn't have these experiences? But in that moment where I asked myself what I was good at, I thought back on my business and what has worked. And the one thing that I saw working was that I was traveling to local colleges and I was giving a speech to these um, sororities about my eating disorder and wellness for young women. And the goal of that for me was just to like get people to get on a list to beta test my app. It had nothing to do with like wanting to be a speaker, wanting to get paid to speak. It was just a marketing tactic that I kind of thought of and tried. But what I found was that every time that I spoke, there would be women who came up to me afterwards and told me how helpful it was for them. And they would follow me on Instagram and send me messages. And I was starting to build a following online. And I'm like, hmm, people like hearing what I have to say. And I deliver messages in a way that resonates with people. That's one thing I'm good at. I wonder if I could learn more about that. And it's just those little whispers of like, 
oh, I wonder if I could look into that or I wonder if there's more to there, that that sense of curiosity that really led me from one thing to the next, which then led me to you know researching motivational speaking, learning that it was a real career, a real business, and signing up for two different online courses about speaking, taking them, learning about it, and just sort of putting myself out there. And 2018, my business had made like $11,000 total. Um, so I guess there was a small profit, but not much, like not enough to actually live. And then 2019, my business had made over $100,000. Actually, no, the $11,000 was not even profit. That was revenue. Profit was, it was definitely negative. Um, and then the $100,000 was also revenue just to, I like clear communication and honesty and numbers in business. Cause I think that there's a lot of like, yes, inflated statistics in the world, but my revenue like 10 X in one year. And it literally came from that decision that like, I was going to just lean into this thing I was good at. So 2019, I started booking all of these speaking gigs at colleges um, and, you know, getting paid to deliver those speeches. And then one thing led to another where people would ask me after my talks, hey, can you help me? I want to, you know, focus on XYZ goal. And at the time, my speeches were just like general motivational speeches. I mostly talked about failure and how to get back up after you failed because I hadn't really built any success. So I couldn't talk about that. But I was good at getting back up because every time I failed, I somehow found my way to getting back up. And so people would come to me, ask me for help. And so that's how I got into coaching. And um, somewhere along the way, I also started writing. I wrote my first book. when I actually first started my business, because I was in this entrepreneurship class in college where we wrote books, it was a really beautiful, magical opportunity. And writing was the opposite of speaking for me. It was something that I wasn't good at. I was told my whole life I was a crappy writer by teachers, um, you know, well-meaning parents that were trying to help me edit my college essay and all the things, but I wanted to learn it. And so I share that as well because I want people to know You don't have to be good at everything. You definitely have unique gifts and talents, and I encourage you to lean into them. But I was a pretty crappy writer, but I had this intuitive nudge that I want to write books, and I feel like I could be a really good writer, and I don't have the skills yet, but I can develop them. And so I really worked on my writing, and I've come a long way now. I'm just starting to work on my third book, and um, it's really cool to see how the whole journey kind of fits together. So long story short, it was definitely um, a journey of lots of failures, but each of those failures really did lead me to this career that I could have never possibly predict it. So if you're listening and you're in the process of finding clarity, just know that you don't have to have it all figured out. And I really don't think anyone does. And the people who often like think they know where they're going, it's just kind of an intention on a map, but it'll probably change as they learn and grow throughout the process of achieving your goals. Cause the journey really does teach you so many lessons along the way about what you like and what you don't like and what you're good at and areas you want to grow in. And so just focus on the first step, the first step in front of you, take it one step at a time and trust that you're exactly where you're meant to be. You're learning the lessons you need to learn and hold the faith that you are going to accomplish the things you want the whole time. There was that part of me that knew I was going to have a successful business. I was going to be financially successful, fulfilled, and happy. Those three things I wanted from the beginning. I knew that. I kept that faith no matter how hard it was, no matter how many times I wanted to give up. I just kept leaning into that. So if you can just take the next step and hold the faith for the bigger vision and trust that it's on its way to you, then it is. There's there's literally no other way. It's just universal law.
I love that. That was such an amazing story about the growth and transformation of your business. And I'm sure that when you started out pitching your speaking engagements, it was probably, you know, getting into a field that was a little unknown. When you started to first pitch those speaking engagements, was that something that you did on your own? Or did you have a marketing agency that you were working with to secure those engagements? Yeah, I did it all on my own. The only thing I did was I took like some online courses to learn like the industry, like how much do people charge? So I can have an idea to say something that's relatively in range, you know, based on my experience, based on the specific industry. So like college is different from corporate, which is different from youth, which is different from conferences. And so I really learned about the industry through those courses. But outside of that, it was just like me sending hundreds of cold emails. And I still do it to this day. Like I still, I do have a team now that does a lot of the behind the scenes things for me. Like they might research conferences for me and find a list. But at the end of the day, like I'm the one on the phone, I'm the one, you know, talking to people, sending emails to people. And while obviously I don't want it to be like that forever, I am my best advocate. And I also feel like it's really difficult to hire someone to do something that you've never done before, which was my problem with coding, right? I couldn't read the code, so I didn't know it was crappy. Whereas now, like, I know how to land a speaking engagement. So if I decide, hey, I want to hire a full-time employee to manage my speaking, I will know exactly how to train them, how to see if the quality of their work is good, what to expect. Um, so it was it was definitely a wonderful process. And it taught me that I can figure out anything. So right now for my third book, I'm focused on landing a traditional publishing deal. And I don't know anything about that. Again, I'm taking a course on it, but I'm kind of just going in head first and it's really scary. It's really uncomfortable, but I reminded myself, well, before I started speaking, I didn't know how to land a speech. I didn't know how to give a speech. I didn't know how to do any of it, but I figured it out along the way. And at some point, of course, there's imposter syndrome. It's something that I think all humans struggle with, and it's a myth that we think some people are just above us and you know, aren't self-conscious or nervous ever. It's totally normal to have fear. So I definitely remember like feeling a lot of imposter syndrome then. I remember like <laughs> I think I like uh maybe 10x'd my speaking rate from like what I had charged a few months before for like my first paid speech to like this bigger gig that I had gotten. And I was so nervous saying the rate, even though that was the standard rate, that's what you know, was typically charged and I totally deserved it. I had the experience. I had the testimonials. Like I had everything on paper, but in my brain, I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Are they really going to pay me that much money for like me to give a speech for one hour? And I was totally discounting. They're not paying me to give a speech for one hour. They're paying me for the years and years of life experiences and self-education that has built me into the person that I am today. They're paying me for the travel. They're paying me for the preparation. They're paying me for literally like hundreds of thousands of hours. And when I add all that up, I need to raise my rates. So it's kind of funny how you can like convince your brain using logical evidence um, that like you are worthy and you are deserving. And I think that it's a good reminder the imposter syndrome is normal. But when you write it on paper or say it out loud of like all the reasons why you are worthy and deserving, usually like you get to that point where you're like, wow, I should be charging more. Or like, wow, of, of course. Like it's a total no-brainer that they don't hire me. And I now think that about like all things and I'm carrying that energy into this publishing deal because of course the imposter syndrome comes up again. It's like, Jacqueline, you only have, you know, 
6,000 followers. And a lot of people who have publishing deals have a hundred thousand or a million. And, you know, your email list is too small and this and that. And are you really experienced enough to, you know, land a traditional publishing deal? And then I tell myself like, of course I am. I've given a TEDx talk. I've given over 125 speeches nationwide. I have a dedicated loyal following. I have a podcast that has 10,000 downloads. Like, of course, how could they not? They're going to be missing out if they don't give me a deal. And it just kind of is funny how our brains do that. Um, But I really do think doing it yourself and putting yourself out there in the beginning is really helpful because it raised my self-belief. Like if I had someone else pitching me, I'm not sure that I would have ever really had the confidence. But when I had to get on the phone with someone and tell them, this is how much I charge and just like awkwardly wait to hear what their response was, it was such a good, you know, forcing of myself to be confident and have the self-belief and faith, even if, I didn't fully feel it. I just had to leap into it because I had no other choice. Um, so I'm really glad I did that. And while I definitely don't want to do that forever and I love having a team and they've definitely been helpful in the process while I still do manage a lot of it myself, um, I think that the process of doing it myself in the beginning was really serving. And can you share some of the resources, if there's anybody in the audience listening who wants to become a speaker, some resources that you can recommend, those whether it's those courses or books or anything else, for them to understand how to pitch themselves as a speaker, how to be, how to be a good speaker, and how to price their services as a speaker? Yeah, absolutely. So um, – I'm going to recommend the, I took two courses. I'm going to recommend the one I I benefited from more, which is called Mic Drop Workshop. It's by Jess Ekstrom. Um, She's awesome. And it's actually her course that I'm taking um, for the publishing deal. So she now has a course that walks you through how she landed her traditional publishing deal. So she does a lot of um, content helping women create income and impact, which I love. I think it's really um, in alignment. So that's where I learned most of that. I also will say, um, subtle plug, but a lot of my clients um, want to be speakers or want to do things with their life similar to things that I've done. And so naturally they want to work with someone who can guide them. So if you are looking for like someone to work with you hands-on, I do have coaching. Um, I have a variety of packages, so you can feel free to reach out um, if you want to talk about that. But I think the course is a great place to start because it'll just get your feet wet, teach you how to write a speech, um, give you an idea of the industry, Um, and how to pitch yourself. Amazing. I love, that's such good advice. And I love hearing about your story because I feel like it's super unique, especially being so young. And I also want to note that we made the connection um, because when I got on the phone with Jacqueline, I recognized her voice from the internship that we did. And I just think that that's, it like almost gives me goosebumps because I just think that's such like an ode and like a, just like amazing that it's like what you're doing now, like motivational speaking. And like, I recognized you after like maybe like six or seven years just from hearing your voice. So I think that that's really cool. And I love hearing you speak. You're obviously like super confident. I'm wondering like, are you wired like this? What type of like advice could you give to someone who finds themselves really struggling with imposter syndrome? Do you, you know, I know you're really into manifestation and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear if you, you know, have any tips or anything for someone who struggles with that. 
Yeah. I think it's a combination of practice and self-belief. So if you had a recording, and I actually have some, and I always think about this, like I need to go on Instagram and do some kind of IGTV of like me giving a speech three years ago versus me giving a speech now. And I used to talk really fast. I used to say like and um every other word. And I was nervous, but I just got up and did it anyway. I will say the nerves never go away. So one of the like things I talk about in my TEDx talk about courage is like people think that courage is about being fearless, but the definition of courage is acting in spite of fear. And so if there was no such thing as fear, there would be no such thing as courage. So it's normal to have fear. It's part of the process, but we we build courage when our self-belief is stronger than our fear. So I, the kind of unique idea that I pitch or propose in the TED Talk is that um, courage is like an equation. So courage equals self-belief greater than fear. And so then I teach like some strategies, which I'll go into here, um, but you can also watch it if you want like extra motivation um, to go into how to build your self-belief. And so um, in terms of the self-belief, like the the biggest strategy that I think is most important is essentially like rewiring your brain to think of you as what you want to be. And the way you do that is through repetition. So in our brain, we have neural pathways and essentially these are like, you know, our thought processes that we repeat over and over and over again. And the unique thing about human beings is that we can change those neural pathways at any time. We can rewire them and form new pathways. It's literally like paving a new road. So imagine like you want to get to your friend's house and you have to go this like really long way. Um, In fact, I remember actually my fiance's grandparents, um, his great grandparents, they uh, have bought a shore house, which is still the same shore house that's in the family in North Wildwood. And it took them four hours to get there because they didn't have the same highways and roads that they had today. So they would drive four hours every weekend. And now when we go, we drive like an hour and 30 minutes maybe because we have new roads. And so like literally that same process can happen in your brain. And the way that those new roads or pathways are formed is through repetition. And so that's why affirmations are so powerful. So I recommend having like a morning routine where you're going to take some time for yourself, do what makes you feel good. There's lots of different morning routines that you can incorporate, lots of different practices. Honestly, if you ever listen to me speak again in the future and someone asks me like, Jacqueline, what's your morning routine? It'll probably be different than what I say right now because I'm a very seasonal person. I lean into different seasons in my life and how I'm feeling and what I need the most then. And so you should lean into what you need the most right now in the current season that you're in. Um, But I recommend that if you want to build your self-belief, you incorporate affirmations into your morning routine. There's a lot of different ways to do it. You could have a few go-to affirmations in areas that you lack confidence. So if you want to be a speaker and you're like, I'm not confident in my speaking, you would want to write an affirmation Like, for example, one of the affirmations I actually write down every morning, mine is more so about like the demand of my speaking because like I told you, I'm still the one sending out all these emails and doing all this work. And I just want emails to come into my inbox every day like, hey, Jacqueline, we want you to speak at our event. We'll pay you 20K. We'll fly you out. Here's the details. Can you make it? Like, that's what I want. And so I'm manifesting that. So one of the ways I do that is through a daily affirmation. So I write down every morning, I am a well-paid in-demand speaker. So that's one that I use. You could use, I am an incredible speaker. I am a confident speaker. Or you can use it for anything. It doesn't matter if you want to be a speaker. You want to be um, successful in your career. You know, I am 
a super successful XYZ thing, or I run a successful business, or I make $100,000 a year, whatever it is, you can write down these goals or affirmations. And I do a combination of both. I write down 10. I actually use Rachel Hollis's Start Today Journal, which I love. Um, and I believe Laura uses it too, because I think I saw that on Instagram. So I write down either I my do. goals or my affirmations. Um, and every day I write them down and I also say them out loud. And sometimes when I'm really feeling a lack of faith, I'll say them in the mirror. I also, my whole office is filled in affirmations. So I bought these whiteboard, um, like sticky things. Like it's not like you have to buy an actual whiteboard. It costs like $30 on Amazon. You just cut it. It's like kind of like contact paper when you're a kid, but you cut it and it's whiteboard and you can stick it to your wall. Um, so like I can read you right now. Like I have all these affirmations about money mindset all over my walls. I release all resistance to attracting money. It is safe for me to be wildly wealthy. I am a money magnet. My business allows me to live the life I desire. I could go on and on. They're literally all over my walls. And so I like have these everywhere because I need constant reminders. And I think that there's this myth that, um, you know, people that are more successful or more motivated don't need these reminders, but it kind of reminds me of like food, like you need to eat three meals a day to have energy the same way your brain needs this fuel and needs these affirmations. And while you can form a new neural pathway, and so eventually with enough repetition, things do become normal. So for example, ever since I was a kid, my dad has always told me, Jacqueline, you can do anything you put your mind to. He probably said it every single day of my childhood. So there was so much repetition behind that, that I really believe that. I really fully believe with every fiber of my being that I can do anything. And sometimes I have clients push me on this. One time I had a client who said, well, Jacqueline, what if I asked you to run a two minute mile? Like, I don't think anyone's ever done that. I don't know. I don't follow like the <laughs> runner stats, but pretty sure it's impossible. And I was like, oh, I could do it. And they're like, really? Like, then then show me. Like, And I'm like, okay, here's what I would ask. I would ask that you rent a pickup truck and you park it on the track. And then in the bed of the pickup truck, you bring a treadmill and you put the treadmill in um, the bed. And then I'll start jogging on the treadmill while the pickup truck r- drives four laps at a speed of two minutes per mile. And boom, I have my two-minute mile. And my client laughed, but I'm like, there's literally always a way if you have that belief in yourself. So eventually your affirmations will just become the norm for you. They'll be your default, but there's always new areas of life you can grow in. The way I like to think of it is what your current life looks like is your current level of self-belief. So what I've created in my business today is what I believe I'm worthy and deserving of, what my brain is setting me up for based on these beliefs I have. And so if I want to get to the next level, and it can be in anything, it can be like, I want to become a better friend. I want to be a better, um, you know, a better wife or husband or whatever it is, daughter, mother, you can up-level your beliefs in that area of your life. So in order to get to that next level, I'm working on new affirmations. So the affirmations are everything. Literally, I'm so passionate about them. Uh, The other things I would recommend for building self-belief that have been helpful for me, one of them is doing hard things. Um, So I have this like mini course on building grit that I've, that I just put together like all the hard things that I've done to make me um, really uncomfortable and build my belief that. I'm resilient. I can do hard things, which then when hard things happen, like a pandemic or like, uh, you know, 
I get rejected from something. I, I have a speech that I really, really thought that I was going to land or that was really important to me. Let's say a bunch of publishers deny me for my book deal. I'm like, it's fine. I can do hard things. So some examples of hard things that I recommend in the course are um, taking cold showers. So like in the course, you take cold showers like every day for a week, which sucks really bad. I've done it. I've taken the course with like the first cohort that went through it. It sucks, but it really, really trains your brain to be like, okay, this is uncomfortable, but I'm fine. In fact, it kind of feels good. There's actually a lot of benefits to cold showers. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your hair. It's good for your skin. So it's kind of funny that you can do this hard thing. And then when you can find good in it, that's when you know your mindset is like really, really um, killing it. So that's one. And then the other one I like to recommend that I recommend in the TED Talk to you is going outside and running one mile longer than you think you can. So if you have in your head, like I could totally run two miles, go run three. If you think like I couldn't even run a mile, just try one. And you'll be really amazed at what you can do when you set your mind to that goal. And I like like doing physical things because they they show proof. Whereas like a lot of times our mindset work is just in our heads. And so the proof in your real life really helps your brain get behind it. So uh, that's the second thing. And then the third thing that I recommend for building the self-belief is visualization. So I recommend doing this in your morning routine or maybe right before bed, but just imagining a scene in your future in vivid detail, exactly as you desire it, and really just getting behind the energy and the feelings that come with that. I do that um, quite often. I have a few visualizations that I go back to, and they make me feel so good, so light, so inspired. And why that's powerful for this self-belief is that one of the systems in your brain is called the reticular activating system, and it filters information because we receive so much on a daily basis. Just think about like driving down a highway, and there's billboards everywhere, and you're consuming so much information, you couldn't even remember all the ads you've seen, let alone all the information we come across on a daily basis. So your brain filters it. And we program that filtering system based on our thoughts and beliefs, So when you think about the things that you desire, you're now programming that system in a different way, which means it's going to filter in a different way. So essentially what it does when you visualize is that your brain now will see opportunities that were always there, but you never notice them. So the best example of this, you've probably heard it before if you know anything about your reticular activating system. So if you have heard it before, bear with me, but it's just literally such a good example. If you've ever wanted a certain type of car, like for example, um, I really want a black G-Wagon. That's my dream car that I want to buy myself someday. And I see them everywhere. I didn't even know what a G-Wagon was like two years ago. I had never even heard of it. I didn't even know what it was. Never saw them. They were always there. I just didn't see them because my brain wasn't programmed to see them. And so literally the same thing is happening in your life. You set a goal, I want to speak, or I want to start this business, or I want to get a promotion at work. And all of a sudden, all these opportunities come your way to speak or you know, new projects you can take on at work that are going to lead to the promotion that were always there, but you just totally missed them before. So combining the visualization, the affirmations, and the hard things is incredibly powerful. And you don't have to do them all. If this feels overwhelming, literally, if you take one thing away that I said and implement it for 30 seconds a day, it will change your life. The smallest things make the biggest difference. It only takes 17 seconds to get into the energy um, of the thing you want to manifest. So it takes 17 seconds to essentially raise your vibration and your vibration is what attracts the things that you desire. So literally, if you take 17 seconds a day, focus on feeling good, focus on things that you want, 
your life will change. So don't be intimidated by all of this. I throw a lot at you because different things resonate with different people. Someone listening might want to take a cold shower. Someone else listening might want to write down their goals every day. Whatever you do is great. Any step is more than you're doing now, which is great. Hey everyone, quick break to chat about the 60 days to launch your business course. We are so excited that we launched this course because we know that starting a business is a massive undertaking and there is essentially no rule books on how to do it right. We created this course to encompass everything you need to know in order to build a successful foundation to launch and grow your business. I literally wish that I had had this course when I started Dean Street Law, when I started Flourish, and I am so happy now that I have it, that I'm launching my books and personal brand. Yeah. So the 60 days to launch your business course is an information packed, I kid you not, information packed course also supplemented with a hundred plus page guide. We go over everything like tools, guidance, templates that we actually use in our businesses every day. Um, And there's homeworks for checkpoints along the way. And you'll come out of this course with an understanding of how to go from ideation to launch and form an actual legitimate business with a background and everything that you need to know from branding, marketing, legalities. All the things, literally all the things. I mean, there's so much content, 100 page guide, 16 audios, templates, homework, everything. It is literally what took us years and what we're hoping to save you. Like that was Uh, I mean, I have loved being an entrepreneur, but gathering all the information on how to do it has been a pain in the butt. And I just wish that I had had it all in one place so that it was just like a breath of fresh air. Being an entrepreneur is exciting and you should have it all at your fingertips. And that's what we wanted. You can find all the information on the course in the show notes. And we have a discount for y'all. Yeah. You can use the code WGT for We Grow Together for a 10% off and hope you enjoy it. That was so amazing and such good advice. Um, Something that you also talk about very often is how you help people find their purpose. And I think that that's something that really resonates with everyone who's in our community. We have so many amazing entrepreneurs who are lucky enough to have found their purpose and what really like wakes them up in the morning. But I know that there's a group of people who are really wanting to get there and really wanting to like be the entrepreneur. So I'm curious, like what tips do you have for people who are looking to find their purpose? Yeah. So this purpose thing used to really intimidate me. And when I started my business, um, during that time frame where I was feeling really lost, where like nothing was working, I felt really down. I went to see a career coach. And she was like, okay, I want you to like map out what you want your life to look like for the next 10 years. And I I was like having panic attacks. Like I'm like, I could – how the heck am I going to know what I want my life to look like for the next 10 years? I have no idea what my purpose is. And I felt so frustrated by this world that was constantly telling us like, find your purpose, find your purpose, find your purpose, but made you feel crappy about yourself when you didn't know what it was. And – Then I realized that it was a much deeper rooted issue because the world we live in teaches you that your purpose is your career. When you're a little kid, when you're in school, you can probably go back to like 
if oh my god, if you go in my childhood closet, there's paperwork from like every year of my childhood from school. There's definitely like second grade homework that said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I think I wrote fashion designer because that was my thing until like high school, and I changed my mind and wanted to do business. Um, but the whole world teaches us that we should focus on career, and we teach kids that you know, they need to figure out what they want to be when they grow up because they're not anything now and they won't amount to anything until they have a career, which is so backwards to me. And through this journey of building my business, I realized that I was on this hamster wheel. I realized that I kept thinking I'll be happy when, and then I would hit that goal and it would feel good for like a day. And that was it. No one really cared that much about my goal except me. And I was already on to the next goal and felt crappy again the next day. And I realized that if I didn't get off it now at that time before I was really successful by any real measure, then what would be the point of the success? Because it still wouldn't bring happiness. And so one of my big goals as I've been building my business um, has been to learn to be happy now and not derive happiness from achieving my goals, but rather from the whole journey and process and where I am currently. And so through that, I realized that my purpose couldn't be in my goals and in my career, but rather it had to be in who I am as a person. And so I started really thinking about like, who am I? And How do I bring purpose to this world? And ironically, it all came together for me when I was working on my branding and I was working with this branding coach and she gave me this homework exercise where I was going to basically ask people who mattered to me in my life words that they would use to describe me. And the whole purpose was that for the best personal branding that you can do is be yourself, which sounds so dumb and easy, but most people don't do it. They create this complicated brand um, where they feel like they're either on or off. But if anyone who's listening to this podcast, who's never met me, comes and hangs out with me at my house on a Friday night, I'm literally the same exact human you've heard on this podcast, you've seen on my Instagram, like it's just me. And I came to that point by creating a brand around who I already am. And so through this exercise, my family and friends all used the same words to describe me. It was very weird that they all didn't talk, but used the same words to describe me. And they were things like ray of sunshine, sunshine on a cloudy day, the light in my life, bright, happy, positive, like all these same words. And they all went back to this theme of light. And so I realized that for me, my purpose was shining light. And at this time, I really hadn't created that much success in my career, yet my family and friends felt like I was shining light on their lives. And I realized that my purpose was who I was because if I only had purpose in my career, then there would literally be no point to my life other than work. And I should just work every waking hour of every day because I'm worthless outside of work, which is awful and definitely not the way I view life. Um, I love my work, but I have boundaries and I love spending time with my family and my friends and being able to do fulfilling stuff outside of work. And so I realized that I was already living my purpose. And I think that people's career goals 
for their purpose should actually be to find a career that aligns with the purpose that they already live. And so, duh, I can now spread this light to other people, which is why I named my podcast Spark Your Light and which is why I give speeches and do coaching because through those things, I am able to spread my light. And it works for all things, entrepreneur or not. Like I have a friend who's a nurse and before she ever became a nurse, she is the most caring, like the, her voice is so calming. Like if I was ever having surgery or sick in the hospital, she's absolutely the person I would want to care for me. And it's like, oh, duh, of course she became a nurse. That career is super in alignment with her purpose of who she is. So if you're looking for your purpose, what I would recommend is that you go through that similar exercise. Ask some people who matter to you, who mean a lot to you, hey, can you come up with a few words to describe me? Um, how would you describe the impact I have on your life? What do you think are my strengths? And that also, that exercise also might bring up some of the things um, that are your unique gifts and talents. So when you combine those things, like when I combine my unique gift of speaking and this like spreading light, it was like, oh, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. It was kind of self-explanatory. Um, so that's one thing I would recommend. The other thing I would recommend is going back to what I said in the beginning, just take the next step. Let go of this idea that at some point you're going to arrive because you literally never arrive. While it might sound like I have it all put together, I'm constantly like, what the heck am I doing? What's next? I don't know what I want my life to look like tomorrow. Like constantly making changes to my life, to my business. Like, And that never ends. That's a part of life, our evolution, our growth. So let go of this idea that you're going to arrive. Let go of this idea that you need to find your purpose. You are already living it. You are exactly where you're meant to be, doing exactly what you're meant to do right now in this season, in this moment of your life, learning the lessons you need to learn. And while you may have bigger goals that you haven't manifested yet, it doesn't mean that they're not meant for you. It just means that there are lessons you need to learn to prepare you for those things. And I actually have a really fun example of this, but my fiance, I actually had a crush on him since I was 16. He took me on my first date ever at 16 and it didn't work out at 16 and I was like devastated. Um, and then even at like 19, we reconnected and it still wasn't the right timing. And I'm like, what the heck? Like universe, like this is what I asked for. Like I was manifesting this relationship and it's never happening. Um, and then at 20, all of a sudden it was like, the perfect timing, everything aligned. Um, but what I didn't realize was that like through that those other years, I had many other relationships that taught me the things I needed to learn in order to be in the relationship I'm in now. And so it's literally the same thing with your goals. So wherever you are, if you feel like you're not yet living your purpose, it's because you haven't yet learned the lessons you need to learn. So trust that you are exactly where you're meant to be, learning the lessons you need to learn to prepare you for the things you want. And your purpose is going to naturally unravel as long as you just keep taking the next step. If you keep that in mind, going through that exercise of asking those questions might be helpful and fun, but don't put too much pressure on it because anything that we feel attached to usually uh, repels, not attracts. So that's what I have to say about purpose and kind of my unique take on it. I love that. I think that's so helpful. And you provided so many great tips um, I'm curious, you've mentioned um, a little bit earlier in the episode, your morning routine. I want to know how you structure your days as an entrepreneur. And I know you talk on your Instagram too about how a lot of days you just focus on one goal. So I think it'd be really interesting to hear your take on that. Yeah. 
So um, my morning routine, I wake up, I do my morning routine. For me personally right now, again, in this season of my life, my morning routine is I move my body in some way, whatever feels good to me that day. It could be yoga. It could be a walk. It could be like a HIIT workout. Um, I shower and get dressed and put makeup on to get ready for the day. That's important to me because um, I used to work in my pajamas, in my robe all the time. And it's just that I didn't feel put together. I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel ready to like run a business. I didn't feel like the CEO. Um, and that's not to say that you you should be getting dressed in the morning or putting on makeup or whatever. Like it's not to say that at all, but it's to say that you should do the things that make you feel good. And for me, that's something that makes me feel good. So I always do that. And then I, I while I prepare breakfast, which when I say prepare, that's a loose word because some days it's just a granola bar, but other days I'm feeling fancy. Maybe I'll make eggs or something. Um, I usually listen to either a podcast episode or an audio book. Um, I like listening in the morning when I first wake up as opposed to reading because it's just like easier for me to process when I'm kind of just getting my day started. Um, so I'll listen while I eat. I'll listen while I have my coffee. And then once I finish my coffee, I'll do my start today journal, which again is Rachel Hollis's journal, which I love. I highly recommend you write down five things you're grateful for and 10 goals um, that you made happen. Um, and I usually incorporate some affirmations in those goals too, because my affirmations are goals. Like I want to be those things that I say I want to be. Um, and then you also write down the goal that you're focused on first, which I love because it, it gets me on this whole one goal thing. So um, there is kind of in different seasons in my business. So sometimes when I have multiple goals at once, which I don't like to have, but there have been times where I do. I'll do like Mondays, I do this. Tuesdays, I do this. Wednesdays, I do this. Thursdays, I do this. Fridays, I do this. Um, and I mean, there's always that in a sense. Like I always create all my content on one day. Like content creation is Monday. That way I don't have to think about it multiple times in the week because that's confusing for my brain. I like my brain to be able to focus on one thing. There's a really good book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. If you haven't read it and you're an entrepreneur or you're passionate about achieving some goal, I highly recommend it. What The One Thing taught me is that you get so much farther focusing on a single goal and giving it 100% than giving five goals 20%. I went to the Rise Business Conference oh just a year ago. It's so sad because there have been no conferences really since then. Um and something that Rachel Hollis said that really resonated with me is that um, let's say you have three soccer balls in front of you and you're told that you want to get the biggest kick you can get. You want to kick one of the balls as far as you can and you get three kicks. Most people will kick each of the balls once and whichever one goes furthest, they'll be like, that's the furthest one. But the best thing to do would be to kick one of the ball three times. It would go so much further. And that's what happens when you focus on one goal at a time. So I highly recommend this. I actually do like a visualization of one goal in some of my speeches um, and why it's so important. Um, but you get the gist here. I won't go into the whole thing. Um, so what I do is I have one goal for my business at a time. So I've been talking about like different goals ago, the publishing deal, this, that, but none of those things are my goal right now, actually. Like there are future goals and there are things I'm kind of searching on, but I'm focused on one thing right now. And once I finish that one thing, I'm going to move on to the next thing. Sometimes the goal is a financial goal. Sometimes the goal is maybe to finish a certain piece of content, like create a course or fill spots for my coaching or whatever it is. But I always go all in on one goal at a time. And so like the way my calendar works now is literally like doing the things that I have to do 
which mean, you know, keeping up with my business, which means creating content every week, um, working with my clients and, you know, getting on any calls I have, whether it be a call for a potential speech, a podcast recording, whatever it is, like the things that are scheduled on my calendar. Um, and outside of that, I have working hours, so they've changed a lot. So again, if you've heard me ever before, it might have been different, but I'm at a season in my life where um, I'm working about 40 hours a week right now. So just normal full-time. I would never work more than 40 hours (laughs) for the record because I don't believe that uh, hustle is um, required. I believe that hard work and commitment are part of the process, not the whole process. And so um, there's plenty of time in a 40-hour week, in my opinion, to get done everything you need to get done Um, and less. I've worked many periods of three hours a day, um, but I'm in a season where I enjoy working 40 hours right now. So anyways, I work from nine to five typically. So I have um, my meetings on my calendar. And then outside of that, all I do is work towards the goal I'm working on. Like every minute between nine and five is towards that one goal. I don't do things that are a distraction. I don't do things that are future goals. I just do that one goal. And then once I tick it off, I do the next goal. And I've created so much more magic in my business. And my brain is so much more clear. Like it's not like, okay, well, what the heck do I do? Because I'm working on 20 things. Like pick one goal. And I think people get stuck here because they're like, but I can't pick. I want to do so many things. Like I want to you know, sell out this course and I want to write a book and I want to do all these things. It's like you can do them all, but you're going to get there faster if you just do one at a time. So once you go all in on the one thing, then it starts to become natural. So that's the other thing. So like in 2019, I went all in on speaking. It was the only thing I did. And then speaking, I learned the process of outreach. It became easier. I figured out who to reach out to. So now Speaking is more of like a passive thing for me. Like I don't have to actively schedule all this time on my calendar to do outreach and all these things. Sometimes I just get like a random idea like, oh, I should reach out to that school that I spoke at two years ago. Maybe they'll want to have me back. Boom. I sent one email for two minutes. It's done. And then I have a gig. Like it's just much different now because I did the work to go all in on that one thing, learn it, create habits, create processes, create systems to make it easier for me to maintain in my life. So One goal at a time is so important to me. If you do have more than one goal, I highly recommend, at least for your brain's sake, to do different days. So maybe one day is content, Monday's content day, Tuesday is working on speaking outreach, Wednesday is working on your next book, Thursday is calls. I I don't do all my calls in one day just because I have too many calls. Um, I have like a lot of clients and interviews and things throughout the week. So um, I just spread them out. It doesn't really bother me, but some people will do like all their calls in a single day and that works for them. At the end of the day, there's no right way. And like one of the things I don't like about the industry of especially like business development and teaching about business is that people teach you that there's a right way and there's just not, there's never a right way. And every time I've taken a course or worked with a coach that tried to tell me there was a right way, it felt crappy to me. So I want you to know that through all of my advice, there's no right way. The right way is what feels good to you. So if you're like, oh my God, one goal makes me want to vomit. Don't do the one goal. It's not the only way. It's something that's really worked for me. I highly recommend you check out the book, push yourself out of your comfort zone, but it's not the only way. So whatever feels good for you is the way because when you feel good, you raise your vibration. When you raise your vibration, you become magnetic to everything you desire. It is that simple. We just overcomplicate it. So fun. I appreciate all of that explanation. And I think I also saw on your social media, and maybe there's an update to this, but you usually read for a couple hours a day. Is that still a practice that you have? 
Yeah, 100%. I absolutely love reading. Um, Up until now, like I am fully self-taught. I don't have any fancy coaching certification. I have worked with a lot of coaches and learned from them, but I, I read so much. I do have interest in certain certifications, not because I feel like I need it to be successful, but more so because I'm really interested in going deeper um, with some stuff that's just not taught in books. Um, But I, I don't get how people... Okay, I shouldn't say that actually. I don't have children. So that's a big thing. I think um, if you're listening to this and you have children, your life is a lot different than mine. But I do own a home. I do, um, you know, have family to help. I help my mom take care of my grandma. You know, I have obligations in my life, but I still find like hours every day to read. I personally read after work. Um, I love that time from like, I don't know, maybe like 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. I'll read. I still watch TV. I'm still human. But if I watch TV from like 7 to 10 or 11, like my head wants to explode. Like that's just doesn't feel good. Again, do what feels good for you. Um, I read because I like it, because it makes me feel good. I read books about things I'm interested in, topics I love, like manifestation and mindset and money. That's basically all I read about. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's so fun and it's so fulfilling. And I also love audiobooks because if my brain's tired and don't feel like reading, I'll just listen and I'll just like lay on the couch and listen. Um, And I just really think that you can never know enough. And even if you know it, like sometimes I'm at this point reading stuff I already know, it's just more fuel for your brain to form those neural pathways. It's reminders that you need. It might be said in a slightly different way that clicks for you, that it never clicked for you before. So I think it's a very incredible practice. And like every successful person attributes so much of their success to reading. It's like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. Like how could you not follow in their steps if reading really helped them be successful. Like, why wouldn't you make the time to do it? Um, So yeah, I'm a huge advocate. But even if you can only read for like 10 minutes a day, maybe do it in your morning routine. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Don't look at your phone at all and and just read some positive content in the morning. Just start somewhere. Um, It's incredibly important to keep educating yourself and keep reminding your brain of these concepts. And it's fun. If reading isn't fun, you're probably not reading the right books. (laughs) So feel free to reach out to me for recommendations. I also post a lot of them on my Instagram stories, and I have a highlight on my page called Goodreads that you can check out. It's so funny because I feel like we've been living parallel lives. Lindsay and I went to the Rise Conference. I was checking through your reading list, and I've read almost every single one of them as well. And it's it's just funny how I know we connected on loving Amanda Francis meditations and Gay Hendricks work and everything. There's so many similarities between the trajectories of our lives. It's kind of kind of funny. It's synchronistic. We're obviously meant to be brought together. I love it. Yeah, me too. And we haven't talked much about your book yet, but I'd really, your books, multiple of them. Um, So I'd love to really dive a little bit deeper into that. So you are self-published, correct? Sort of. It's kind of uh, a weird thing, but basically my professor from Georgetown started like a publishing company. So it's a non-traditional publishing company or hybrid, some people call it. Um, So basically they help you through the process. Like they design your cover for you and you do have like editors, um, but you don't have to like land a deal. You basically just pay to have them help you. Um, And you can also like sell your books as pre-orders to pay the costs. Um, if you don't have money to invest and you have like people to support you, um, 
So yeah, a kind of a hybrid model. Oh, cool. I like that. Yeah. And indie publishing. I love that. I'm currently doing, I'm currently self-publishing my own book, hired an editor, and I'm sort of self-funding it, but I um, will be selling pre-sales as well. I'd love for you to share a little bit more of what your writing process is like and your marketing and launch process. Yeah, love it. Um, So like I do all things, when I work on books, that's like my priority. It's not to say that I don't have other things in my life. So when I wrote my first book, I was literally a senior in college. I showed up at my entrepreneurship class my um, first day. So we had one entrepreneurship class at the time at Georgetown. Now they have like a whole minor for it. They've really built up the program. But when I was there, there was one class. And I took it my senior year when I decided I wanted to start a business. And my professor shows up on the first day and he's like, hey guys, I almost quit this job because he was just an adjunct professor like running startups full time. He said, because I felt like this class didn't help anyone. We would come up with fake business ideas that no one ever pursued and you really don't learn anything from that. So I told the dean that I was going to like resign and the dean asked me to just like give it one more try. Like try to come up with an idea of a course that you think would help students. We'll follow you on any idea you have. We have your back. Um, anything you want to do, you know, we're behind you on. Just come up with a new innovative idea just for one semester. And if it doesn't work out, you can leave. He was like, okay. So we started like talking to a bunch of his friends who were entrepreneurs, asking them like, what teaches you most about entrepreneurship? And they came to this conclusion that like writing books is such a beautiful process of like creating a product, marketing it, selling it, pricing it, all those things. And um, so I come in the first day and he's like, we're writing books. So I wrote my first book. It's called The Cuss Method about my struggles with food in college and specifically binge eating and how I overcame binge eating disorder and um, interviewed a lot of experts like nutritionists and psychologists um, on understanding like the causes behind binge eating and especially for young women, um, the impact of college. And um, it was a really fun project for me because I got to kind of learn about why I had the struggles I had. It was kind of like a research (laughs) book, I would say. And um, even though I was a college student, had a million other things going on, I would take care of the necessities just like I do now where I get on all my calls, I do all my things. And then in any of my other free time, I would write. When I was writing um, my second book, which is called Stop Getting in Your Own Way, and I wrote that book for female entrepreneurs um, who felt like they were holding themselves back. And I wrote it um, towards the end of 2019 when I had that breakthrough year about the things that caused the breakthrough in every chapter, something that I had to that I stopped doing that really helped bring that breakthrough for me. And um, I was still busy. Like I was launching coaching programs and I was traveling to speak at the time because there were still like in-person events at the time. But any free time I had, like I was writing. I love writing in coffee shops. So you would find me in any like Starbucks or Panera writing. Um, But I will say one caveat to writing is that you should be able to write anywhere. A good amount of my book was written on planes because I had speeches and I had to write on the plane because that was the only free time I had. Like I couldn't get on a client call on a plane because there's no service. So I had to just go on Microsoft Word and write. Um, So it was very much a lot of like, okay, um, I'm going to write during this block of time. And there was no like waiting for the creative juices to flow. Like it was just like, start writing. And of course, sometimes it was crappy, but then I would go back and I would go through it, make it better, 
edit it. Just getting something down is really helpful. Um, I wrote chapter by chapter, um, you know, starting at chapter one, going all the way through. I think I'm going to write my introduction last once I wrote the whole book. Um, and it was very much a process of like, yeah, sprinting. Like I wrote majority of the book in a short time period, probably a few months. Uh, although I've been working on the outline and the ideas um, for much longer than that. Um, my first book, like I said, was a lot of research. Whereas my second book, it was mostly like my own ideas and experiences. And maybe I would tie it with some science. Like if I wanted to talk about visualization, I might research like what are some studies on visualization to kind of prove this or add some flame to this fire. But much of it was just like me writing out whatever came from my heart. Um, so that was kind of the writing process. And then the editing was, you know, re-going through each chapter one at a time and uh, making it better, making sure there were tangible takeaways. I did like write my books with structure. So my chapters kind of had this format of like I opened with a story. I talked about the lessons. And then at the end, I gave tangible takeaways that you could implement in your life today. And I always felt like that was helpful because sometimes when you read books, it inspires you, but it doesn't give you any real advice to change your life. And I think that there's a time and place for inspirational books, but I personally prefer the books that give you real advice. So I always tried to incorporate that. Um, and then in terms of like the pre-sale, the marketing, the launch, um, you know, if you think you're talking about it too much, you're probably not because especially with today's algorithms, like people just don't see your stuff. Like I can't tell you how many people have been like, I didn't know you wrote a second book. And like, I literally post about it all the time. Um, so I really just kept showing up with it. I personally think marketing books is really, really fun as opposed to marketing something like coaching or an online course. Cause you have a physical thing you can hold in your hand. So like photo shoots galore, like you can, you know, have pictures of pages. You can read excerpts from it. Like there's just so much content there. You can pull quotes and put them on your Instagram feed that it always felt very natural to me to market a book. It also felt very natural because books cost somewhere between $10 and $20. So it's something that for most of my audience that listens to my podcast means that they have some kind of smartphone or internet connection. They can probably afford a $9.99 ebook. So I never felt like I was selling. And when I removed that barrier of, I feel like I'm selling something, it was almost like I have this gift and you have to know about it. The same way you might tell your friend about like a product that you love. Like let's say, okay, like for example, dry shampoo. Like I started using dry shampoo a few years ago and every different dry shampoo I tried like never worked for me. I would always have like white stuff in my hair because I have like brown roots and a few years ago, I finally found this one dry shampoo, which I love. It's like perfect hair day. They sell it at Ulta. I like tried the travel size and I loved it. And whenever my friends are talking about dry shampoo, like I can't shut up about it. And that's how I feel about my book. Like I just can't wait to tell them about it because I know it's that good. And so I highly recommend getting to that place with your writing where you absolutely love what you have to say and you deeply think it's going to change lives to the point where you can't wait to talk about it and you don't feel any level of uncomfortableness selling it um, because that's really the way that it sells. And then the other thing for me that's been really big is just like word of mouth. Like that's how I get my biggest sales. Like people, you know, I had one um, of my followers, she like put it in her newsletter for like 
best Christmas gifts for this year. And she talked about how this book really helped her and she recommends you get it for any friends who are ambitious. And I was like, oh my God, that's so nice. And you know, the day she posted, sent that email out because I'm on her email list. So I saw it. She didn't even tell me I saw it. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I got a bunch of sales just from someone doing that. And that's the kind of thing you can't pay for. It's really authentic and it just comes from reading a good book. But the only way you write a good book is you just start and you just keep going. My first book was okay. My second book was better. My third book's going to be even better, right? So it's kind of just like going all in, giving it your all and show up and don't stop talking about it. And the magic will happen behind the scenes. Incredible. And same for with your speaking. Do you have any resources that you'd recommend for someone who's interested in becoming an author? Yeah. So um, definitely. So if you want to go non-traditional and do that kind of hybrid model, feel free to uh, message me on Instagram. That's the best, easiest place to reach me because I check them every day um, as opposed to my inbox, which gets really filled. And then I have a bunch of flagged emails to respond to. So if you Instagram DM me, um, I can connect you with um, my professor from Georgetown who owns this publishing company. And you can just learn about his model and if it's a good fit for you. Or if you're interested in um, traditionally publishing and you want to learn about that, um, it's also Jess Ekstrom who has a course on traditionally publishing. It's called Book Pop Workshop, and I can send you the link for that too um, if you want it. Amazing. Thank you so much. And there's two other questions that we always ask everyone, and we've asked this to you a couple times. So is there a favorite resource that you have in general, a podcast, a book, or anything that you'd recommend? And where can everybody find you? Yeah. My favorite podcast is the Manifestation Babe podcast. I'm actually on it as a guest. So if you're going to listen to it, start with that episode. It's like back in June. Um, I'll give a book recommendation. There's so many. It's so hard. Um, But I'm going to think of one that I feel like this group needs. I would say – I really like Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. That was a really good one about money mindset. And I love money mindset. I'm really passionate about it. And where can everyone find me? Um, Instagram. My name is Jacqueline DiGregorio. My podcast is called The Spark Your Light Podcast. And my website is JacquelineDiGregorio.com. Love it. Thank you. That's so funny because that you're the second person who's recommended that book to me this week. So I will have to check it out. Everybody, please go find Jacqueline on Instagram. You can also, I'm sure, find her books on Amazon. We'll link all of the information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thanks, Jacqueline. So what was your favorite part of the podcast? Oh my God. How can you even pick a favorite part? I feel like she delivered so much amazing information and just tips, like tactical tips. And she says that she likes that when it's like actual tactical, tangible, real tips. Um, I honestly loved, she gives so many metaphors throughout the whole thing. Like every response is just so like, just jam packed with amazing um, like advice, but I loved all her metaphors throughout each. Cause I think it like really, it was just fun to sit here and like visualize. I felt like I was, she was like a guest on our podcast. She's also a motivational speaker. And I just feel like she was like motivating me and speaking to me the entire time. So I loved that. <laughs>
<laughs> totally agree. And it was so funny because after we stopped the podcast, I went on to ask her like three more questions <laughs> and just continue the conversation, which was awesome. She, I just had so many more questions to ask. Like one I asked um, was your when you were launching your book, the time when you were still focusing on one thing. And she mentioned that during that time, she was focusing on the launch of her courses. And so her book delivery was delayed a little bit, but her focus was on her courses. And then another question I asked was when she switched her um, focus to three hours a day of work rather than 40 hours a week, how was that composed? And during that time, she was really focused on her clients, her coaching clients, and also content creation. And she sort of took a break from, you know, writing a book and took a break from course launching and her existing courses were evergreen and were supporting her. So just wanted to share those extra tidbits that I got after the podcast with you all. We probably could have just kept recording. But anyways, Linz, what was your favorite? My favorite part was Casey had asked the question about finding courage and imposter syndrome and her three were her like three concepts of advice. It was affirmations, visualization, and then doing hard things. I think that that one was my favorite, but I loved all of it. I feel so inspired right now. I am so obsessed with our podcast. Like I love every single episode, but this has definitely got to be in my top. I loved this one. I know, me too. And I have done the cold plunge challenge. I did it with Angie Fletcher, who did it with Kion, and I was literally filling up my bathtub, bathtub with cold, ice cold water and actual ice and doing a cold plunge every day for five days. And it is good. Like, it feels good. Honestly, I want to get back into it, but it's a little hard to wrap my mind around it. The hardest thing is just doing it. And then you feel good after and you want to keep doing it. The hard thing is just to, to, to immerse yourself in it and do it. So, yeah. Anyways. I was just going to say that I love how so many – also, this is just the second thing. Like, I love how many – I always think like the science behind things is really cool. And I love that she talks about the brain actually a lot throughout the episode. And I love how like throughout, throughout all that, she's talking about like biohacking and things that you can like actually do that are like proven to like change the way you think and like approach those hard things too. So that was just like one more little comment. Sorry. Oh my God. Yeah. I nerd out on neuroscience. So when she dropped the brain, um, reticular activator. I was like, yes, yes, keep going, queen. It was so good. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Your ratings really help us entice great speakers and guests. And we'd love to hear more about what you love about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of. And if you include your Instagram handle in your review. We will be able to select a winner. Each episode, we select a winner for a free month at Flourish or access to our 60 Days to Launch Your Business course. And if you share it on social media, please tag us. That means the world to us, spreading the news. You can find us at Flourish Westchester. And you can find me at Laura M. Francesco. You can find me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. And me, Casey, at Casey Flow. Can't wait to see you on the next podcast.
have literally the most exciting announcement for you guys. I feel like I'm about to like jump up and down. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. This has been such a long time coming. We worked on this over the pandemic. I'm so excited we can finally announce it and release it to everyone. Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, please. We are launching the 60 Days to Launch Your Business course. It is so epic, so juicy. Everything that I wish that I had had when I was starting Dean Street Law, when I was starting Flourish, we compiled years of experience into this. And as you guys know, I counsel hundreds of businesses. I also really dove into those experiences too. And put it all in this nice, beautiful package so that you guys know what to do as you're starting a business. Yeah. And the course has actually already been launched. It's live right now. You guys can take it, um, enjoy it. And ultimately wanted to create this. And I love case. You said this before that starting a business is such a huge undertaking and there's really no how to's rule books anything like that. So we wanted to create a course that had everything in it that you need to know to get your business up running and build the successful foundation that you need in order to grow your business. Absolutely. It should be stress-free. It should be fun. It should be something that you're excited about and feel confident about because you know you have your footing in the right place. There's So many people that this works for, if you're thinking that you want to start a business in five years, in one year, it's super really helpful because it breaks down all the steps so you can start planning for it. And I even talk in the course about how some of these steps I had started planning years before I even opened the business because they were ideas ruminating in my head. So it really starts to get you ready for that next step. And if you are ready for that next step, this is perfect. It outlines absolutely everything. It breaks it down into modules so it's super easy to digest. And it really puts a lot of thought into what needs to come first and where to put your energy and focus so that you're efficient and you're just knocking out of the park. But honestly, it's also amazing for seasoned entrepreneurs. If you already have your business up and running, I'm actually going to be going back through the course myself for Dean Street Law because I started it without it. And It just is a really good way for you to focus back on all the fundamentals of your business and see how can I level up? How can I make this better? How can I make the next year even more strategic and seamless and feel that much more epic and amazing? You know that we love to provide resources for epic entrepreneurs, soulful companies. I'm just so excited for you to have this in your hands. Me too. And this is seriously such an incredible resource. There's so much amazing information. We have the guide that you get when you take the course. It includes 16 audio recordings. The guide is over 100 pages. Within the guide, we have templates for things that we use for Dean Street Law and Flourish. Um, And it also includes homework. So there are little checkpoints throughout when you're taking the course so that you can really be super involved in learning and getting as much as you can out of it, which is so important. We're just so excited. And ultimately coming out of this course, you're going to gain an understanding of how to go exactly from ideation to form 
a legitimate business. Um, and you'll get a background from everything from like branding to marketing, legalities, tech problem and solution interviews. We go through seriously everything in this course. And I'm so excited to offer this to you guys because it's one of the number one questions that we get at Flourish is either like, will you have an event on starting a business or will you have an event on like the foundations of business or do you guys offer coaching, all that good stuff. So this is essentially like if you guys are solopreneurs, like this is like coaching with us. So I'm excited too, because I feel like being a solopreneur is one, it's kind of overwhelming because you never really know like where is the starting point. So this will lead you through step-by-step on how to actually form your business and when to do what. And then also it can be like kind of lonely too. So you have information and guidance from all three of us. So we're like your little support system. And I'm just excited for you guys to check this out and to start your business, to grow your business. And honestly, just to become even that much more successful. Yay, I can't wait. And let us know if there are any other courses that you'd like. We have a couple more that are releasing soon. We have two in progress, one for social media and one for time management. You guys know I'm obsessed with that. So DM us at Flourish Westchester or if there are any other courses or other resources you guys want us to put together. We always like to make sure that we're providing resources that you guys want. Thank you guys so, so much for supporting us. It means the world to us. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Dean Street Law is our sister company. I'm Laura Francesco, founder and CEO of Dean Street Law. It's a corporate law firm that helps you with everything corporate law and has tons of free resources and guides on our website that you can find everything from protecting your company from liability, forming a startup, and the different types of entities, all the way to intellectual property and social media. So if you'd like some free information on the legal aspects of your business, head over to deanstreetlaw.com, and you can also find us on Instagram at deanstreetlaw. We provide a lot of free information, and always feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. Thank you.